I am Ospat Dolonso, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loom podcast. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when and where you woke up this morning after last night's win. Maybe you're not even awake yet. Uh, it was it was, it was was quite a one. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm here with Cal Williams. Cal, before we get into all the fun, what is your favorite and least favorite housework? Is um, there any housework you enjoy? No, I hate all of it. All of it. All of it. <laughs> Even, <laughs> I even hate putting up shelves okay. um, that will support the biggest trophy possible in North American soccer. Sure. Um, I uh, yeah, I just don't. Uh, I don't do housework at all. I'm I'm terrible. I'm awful with any sort of toolbox. Um, okay. This is where the wife and I swap. Um, you know what? What uh, has been known as a certain roles for a certain gender for however long? You know, she does all the she does all of that of sort things, of stuff, okay. and I will be the one certainly saying it probably needs to go a little bit more left. Um, for whatever reason, I think she thinks I have a more artistic eye than her, which is probably true. But she is <laughs> certainly, uh, you know, the one who does all all of that sort of stuff. All right. So construction aside, though, um, for your for your day to day chores. Perhaps um, your dishes, your vacuuming, your laundry of those, which I presume you do some amount of this as a responsible. Yes, yes. Human yes. male um, and human being. Are there any that bring you joy or are they all just terrible? They're all terrible, but okay. they have to be done. Yes. Um, I, I'm I'm not a believer at all that, that it should be down to the woman to do this. I think that's Certainly ridiculous. Yes, that's completely yeah. outdated yeah. and outlandish. So uh, I'll help when I can. Absolutely. Um Laundry is fine because we have laundry machines and everything, so just stick sure. it in and, and put a bit of detergent in, and it's good to go. Yeah. Um, vacuuming, we have one of those little electronic robots. You got a Roomba, things. yeah. yeah okay. one of those, so, that so that's great. Um, and yeah, the most um, annoying out of all of it, I guess, is is doing the dishes. Okay. We have, we have a dishwasher. Sure. But it just takes a while to get the dishes out and put them back. Yeah. Yeah. In an orderly fashion and whatnot. But I, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Okay. Imagine having none of these, right? I know. I, I don't know that my wife and I uh, would still be together without the dishwasher. <laughs> uh, like if we were just washing dishes by hand, like, cause I lived in apartments that didn't have dishwashers in my life. So, um, but I've actually, I've really come around on washing dishes uh, and sort of the the general prep of the kitchen at the end of the evening for the next day, um, which is one of those things that I think when you're a bachelor, you definitely you probably let it slide a lot. Yes, um, yes. It, when you're when you're married, you can you know you can let it slide a little bit. When you have kids, it's like if if you wake up in the morning, you have to do like prepare breakfast again, and there's dirty dishes. It's just it's horrible. Double so, task. Yeah. So the the process of uh, at the end of the night after the kids uh, are in bed to take the dishes to unload the dishwasher if it's clean, load it up with some dirty dishes, wipe down the counters, empty the catches from the you know the sinks. Like I just feel like when I walk away from that, it's like it's very satisfying. Um, laundry is the worst thing ever <laughs> in my opinion i never liked doing laundry and it's you know obviously there's washers and dryer that that part is not difficult folding oh yes laundry let me explain to you something it's bad enough then when you have kids mm -hmm. I, this makes me sound like i hate my kids i don't i hate the products of their existence uh, a basket full of laundry looks like the same amount of clothes but it's actually two to three times more items of clothing <laughs> and they all have to be folded and most of them are barely it's like this stuff is so small and then at some point when you i have two kids they're close enough in size that like i can't tell shorts sometimes between the two of them and then they get upset when the wrong shorts are in the wrong drawer and i'm like look i'm doing my best um and vacuuming i also hate we had a roomba for a while it didn't work out we had an earlier generation maybe they're better now but uh generally i hate i hate vacuuming it's unsatisfying i feel like it's never done well enough mm -hmm. um sort of like raking leaves 
Mowing the lawn, I'm into. Raking leaves, it's not. It's like you just you can't ever do better than like a 65% good job raking leaves. I feel yeah, like. because the leaves are always going to appear again. There's a, you know, the tiniest gust of wind. <laughs> and, you know. and you you think a lot of leaves have fallen. Everybody who's a homeowner in the Twin Cities will, will know what I'm talking about. You think a, a lot of leaves have fallen. You're like, it's time. I got to get out there. And you start raking them up and you get a pretty good job. And you look up and you're like, there's like 85% of the leaves are still up there. So. And, and they're going to come down the next day. Yeah. It's pointless. Exactly. I, I will never understand raking leaves. It's just pointless. It, the, the, the problem with not raking leaves is if you don't, then in the spring, you just have disgustingness everywhere. If you don't sort of take care of a certain amount of leaves, I'm all for mulching. I like mowing them down and, you know, sort of, I don't like bagging up a lot of leaves for them to throw away. I think that's kind of gross. But mm. if you don't sort of do a certain amount of maintenance, then the spring is, it, it's like the waking up the next day and the dishes are still dirty. Right. Like it's the long night in which you wake up and there's just crappy leaves all over your yard. It's terrible. And this, Steve, this is why I live in a downtown apartment. I, hey, there's certain <laughs> benefits to it. I lived in a condo at one point, and it, it, there's definitely benefits uh, to not having to shovel your snow or rake your leaves or do any of that. So, um, But on the other hand, I have a house. It's nice. I have, I'm sure it's lovely. It's you haven't good. had me over yet, by the way. I know. We should get together, shouldn't we? One of these weeks when there's not three games in seven <laughs> yes. days or whatever we're in the middle of right now. This is why we're having two podcasts in one week mm. is just because there's too much stuff going on. Let's talk about Portland, the the sequel, the son of, <laughs> of MLS league play. Um, just a massive game. Uh, you know, I think we talked about this in the Open Cup and sort of how the the, the weight of it increases as you get up higher in the tournament. And that there's sort of no way to adequately explain in a sort of cognitive way how that is going to feel. But that the atmosphere was, and even for, uh, you know, the stadium was not fully sold out. It's a tough sell. I understand. People who were buying season tickets, you're already going to a lot of soccer games. Right. Uh, to make room for another soccer game that suddenly came on the schedule because the team won in the middle of the week, it's a tough ask. I understand. It was still very full and it was still extremely loud it was great it was a really good atmosphere and when i saw the announced attendance was something like fifteen thousand, i thought wow it, it's that's impressive the amount of noise yeah uh, that we have um coming out of the sports section and the entirety of the stadium um it had that big game feel about it it, it had the atmosphere to match it as well it absolutely did. um i i felt whilst i was watching it and i went to the right hand side of our broadcast booths as a little private area i managed to watch a lot of the game um with my wife and, and some friends and, and uh, jamie and his wife and um so anyway uh, i don't know I, is this, my wife. there it is i, <laughs> I couldn't remember which button it was but there it is <laughs> uh, and a chap who, who i encouraged people to to go and say hello to at some stage whilst not during the game but uh, when he when you have a chance a chap called sam lawson who um, is the video analyst for the team mm -hmm. and essentially what he does is he prepares tape for the coaching staff um, to go through with the players at halftime and then during the week and, and when they are preparing. So um, you'll see him with a little camera and a, and a laptop and um, he was gracious enough to let us watch um, nice. the game around him in that little private area. So um, Lovely bloke. A fabulous individual. Um, uh, used to work with the women's national team as well, so he's got a, a tremendous resume. Um, very good at what he does. And, and so I, I just felt all of us... Um, whilst watching the game, um, it felt like we were operating on the edge of the sharpest of knives because it was just a game that um, it, it just felt so tense throughout the entirety of it. Uh, it got a little bit chippy as it did on Sunday as well, mm -hmm. um, which which is always going to happen when you have a former Sounders captain in the central midfield as well. Sure. Um, I mean, and Chara and Ozzy going at it. I, I mean, well, exactly. You We've been doing it for, for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you couldn't ask for better than that. No. Uh, and then... Um, you know, the, the added emphasis to the game of obviously the handball given for the penalty, which, which was handball. He's put his arm up sort of, I think it was, was so weird. Well, it was so graciously described by Jimmy Watson as he's chicken winged it. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, but that's exactly what he's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, Odd thing to do. So, it, yes, it was a penalty. Um, and then the, the goal that the Timbers scored right on the cusp of half time, it was onside. Yes. I know it. Didn't look so at the time, but yeah. but it is onside. Glorious little touch from Ibobasi into yeah. Fernandez, and, and and he simply doesn't miss those chances. Sure. Um, and then the 
precision and, and speed and perfection in which the second goal for Minnesota was scored as well. It just added to the elements of excitement and, um, and energy through the entirety of the game. Um, there were so many chances. Vito Manone pulled off some fabulous, miraculous saves again. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the Timbers hit the post in the dying embers as well. So it was a game that had everything. It really, really did. Yeah. It, it was worthy of an Open Cup semi-final. Um, and now we go on to the final in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I just, there's such a feel-good factor with this football club at the moment. Yeah. Um, everyone's walking around smiling. Everyone's feeling good. Um, not only are we, the, we in the Open Cup final, we're second in the West. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's about time. Yeah. We, we've had to go through <laughs> a lot of, of frustrations to get here. Yeah. And I think those of us that have been through those frustrations, it makes these kind of occasions even more special. Yeah, I, we're, we'll get into a lot of those moments uh, a little bit. I, sort of talking about that element, though, I, I, I have to say I was not optimistic going into the game. Um, did you have a prediction? Did you have a thought before the game of, like, where, where you thought it was, was going to end? My only thought coming into the game was, is that, first of all, I fancy Minnesota against anybody at Allianz Fields. True. Um, but my thought was, well... <laughs> After Atlanta had beaten Orlando, it took away the possibility of hosting. hosting right. And I did wonder if that would perhaps be in the back of people's minds, you know, and that um, disappointment may very well play its part. But mm -hmm. um, Minnesota gave out perhaps one of the most professional performances I've seen from this yeah. side in the last two and a half years. Um, and as I said, Steve, um, the Timbers are one of the better teams in Major League Soccer. And Adrian was quite right, quite right in the post-game show um, press conference saying that this game could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, but I think what it does is it, is it proves how far this Minnesota United side have come yeah. in the short space of, of two years. And, um, you know, I, I <laughs> going into the game, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was confident, All right. I, I just fancy, I fancy Minnesota against anybody at Allianz field. All right. I, I can, I can get with that. I think my own pessimism at this point is is my problem it's just my inability to wrap my head around a team especially a minnesota team yes <laughs> um uh, again we should we should as we have mentioned before the links are tremendous a minnesota men's team um sort of being good mm. and just and Weird. this team especially <laughs> and unbeaten now in was it 11 games at this point mm. um i just you know it's sort of like when it when a team is when the team was not good, uh, let's say certainly the first season and most of the second season, um, generally speaking, when they would play well, I would think, yeah, they, you could do this. Like, you could do this. I believe in you. Like, you can put this together. When they beat the impact at home, it was like 5-1 or whatever. Um, things like that. You could do this. Uh, and I'm like, come on, guys. And then, like, they sort of reach a they get they get better at the start of this season. I'm like, it, it's good, good. And I'm like, now you're getting really good. And I don't, it scares me. Like something bad is going to happen. It's just terrifying. I believe in karma. So I feel like it's, <laughs> it's coming back on the other end. But, um, but yeah, let's get into some of these, some of the sort of the, the, the micro stuff of this game. The, I thought um, one thing that's, that's hard to, I think it can be hard to properly appreciate is, is the defensive acumen of this team. And it's, it quickly become such a good team, especially at Allianz Field, but defensively. Um, second in goal differential in the West right now, behind, obviously, LAFCs, which is some, it's like Avogadro's number. It's like <laughs> 6.02 <laughs> times 10 to the 23rd. Anyways, um, but Chase Gasper looks incredibly impressive. Uh, to have brought in uh, Wilfred Muimbe Tarat, you know, who's a guy with a resume, um, who's going to have to play his way into that role because Chase is that good. Um, Metonier, it looked a little, is looking a little more like the old Metonier. Uh, you know, like I think he had a tremendous run early on and I think he's still working his way back to it. That late tackle uh, in the 90th minute to yes. run, <laughs> was incredible. And that made me smile because that's, that's the Roman I love. And then Opara, who's made six team of the weeks now um, and has deserved it uh, because he's just, Tremendous. I mean, I think there's a lot of, he's not going to get in the highlights a lot. Of, I mean, he's going to score a header every once in a while, you know, but he's, we were talking about this in the booth. He's way faster than you think he's going to be. Oh, right? absolutely, you, you look yeah. at him. He's not, he's not exactly quick, which is interesting. Like, I don't think he's like, I mean, he's got good reactions, but he's not exactly quick. But when he gets up ahead of steam, like, man, he can move. And he's just tremendous 
as like physically in doing his job, his dedication to it. He just never quits. And he's a great leader on that back line. He and he and Boxall have been, have been really good. Even Boxall. I mean, Boxall was keeping Fernandez onside, right? But watching that play back, I mean, it's, it's the a hair's breadth from being offside and he was trying to step up, you know, and mm-hmm. it was just the, 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 the pass from Obobese, if it had been even a, a touch slower, or if he had hesitated a moment, Fernandez would have been offside because yes. it's literally like his, just his foot as Boxy is stepping up. So I don't necessarily put that on Boxy. I think no. it, was, it was a good decision. So both of them have been tremendous. The back line. I just think that the, the defense has been sort of the unsung element of, of how good the team has been over these last 11 games. Absolutely. The, the tandem, particularly at center half have really impressed over the course of this 11 game unbeaten run. Yeah. Um, and I agree. Look, I don't think there's any blame, um, that you can put on on Michael Boxall for the goal, he, he just gets out a, a split second too late, yeah. and, and more than likely because he was preoccupied with <laughs> with something else anyway, whether it be marking Fernandez himself or you know um, having his eyes cast towards somebody else who, who potentially would have caused Minnesota a problem. So mm-hmm. um, you know, no, no blame at all um, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think Ike is. Quick, I think he's quicker than people realise, as you say. I, I do think he's quick. He's not as quick as he was. Sure. I mean, let me tell you, um, in KC 2013 MLS Cup, he, he was unbelievable. He was so quick. Yeah. Um, and he's not as quick anymore being 30, but he's still quick. Yeah. I, I wouldn't identify him as, as slow. No. Um, I mean, just in the factor of you're, you're like a six-foot-plus guy. Right. Playing defense, like you're not as fast as these little these guys who are five five and well, right, <laughs> right right. I'm yeah. saying you know, like in soccer, it's it's all relative, right? Like, sure. Um, but yes. Anyways, yes. But, but, but also he he's got a tremendous stride as well because his legs are so long. Yeah. You know he can make up that ground quite yeah, quickly. Yeah. When he's running, he has, his gait is very interesting because it's yes. it's sort of very. Uh, low, like flat, but he covers so much ground really fast. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you can watching him chase down people is really fun. So yes, yeah. Uh, and look, I mean, Roma Metinier is um, uh, again. I, I completely agree with you. He's come in and proven himself. It's taken you know a couple of games to get used to um, how things are here in Minnesota again, uh, and the way that Adrian likes him to play. It's different with how Madagascar asks him to play. Sure. Um, so again, it it, it can take a, a couple of weeks to to get used to that again, which is fine. And I think he's now settled in again. But but the most pleasant surprise out of all of it, Steve, is, as you mentioned, is Chase Gasper, because mm-hmm. we were told when he was drafted that um, by the coaching staff that, that he was the most ready defender in the draft, uh, meaning he can come into MLS and play straight away. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us thought, right, well, so we're going to see this guy straight away. And we didn't see him because he had a couple of knocks, a little uh, injury or two. I know his hamstring was tight for a long time, which was really bothering him. But now he's settled in yeah and it's 10 games played consistently for him um and um he, he he's been fabulous he doesn't look like a rookie at all no um that there's one or two little rash moments which i completely understand being a rookie yeah. he's not going to be perfect every single time sure um you know there's a few times when he when he's clearing the ball away when i think probably best option is to play it inside or, or you know seek out a teammate but then there's been plenty of times when he's done that as well mm-hmm. and he's found an Aussie Alonso who's dropped in or, or goes back to Michael Boxall or, or even Vito Minone you know and um, I, I think Minnesota United drafted so so well yeah um, and I know we spoke about it briefly on, on a previous podcast but you know the coaching staff need to be commended for that you know yeah. um, they did a tremendous job in, in scouting in the off season and, and during the season during the collegiate season and, and looking at what they wanted and needed um and in my opinion now, if, if Chase Gasper wants this, Chase Gasper can be at the left back for Minnesota United for, for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Mason Toy's goal. Uh, the That first touch with his right foot was just just stupendous and it just gets better every time I go back and look at it again. I mean, I think that, that watching the emergence of... Um, I am a person who enjoys um, subtlety in things. And so to see the emergence of subtlety in his game like Mm -hmm. that, uh, as opposed to simply like blistering pace or, you know, a really hard shot or things like that, that you're like, you know, you obviously he's a physical specimen. He's very fast. He's athletic. He's tall. Um, you know, for a soccer player, (laughs) not tall for a human being. Uh, but anyways, uh, but to see like the, I mean, it was a great pass from Molino. First of all, he and Molino are forming a very, 
their chemistry is very good. It seems like, um, but that gentle touch on the outside of the right foot to just drop it in there. Yeah, and then as, as Adrian had said to sort of open up his body. So it's, it, it, it could go multiple ways and then mm-hmm. to strike it with his right foot. Um, it just, just a tremendous professional finish and fantastic to see. He did exactly everything he needed to do. Yeah. And the, the first touch, as you mentioned to, to set himself was, that of a, a seasoned centre forward, you know, and but look, I mean, how many times have we said on this particular podcast as well? The coaching staff have worked months and months right. and months. I don't think people realise how much that moment has been worked on in the training <laughs> ground, you yeah, know, and yeah. how raw he was. Yeah, oh, I mean that that wouldn't have have happened last year. Yeah. It simply wouldn't. Um, so again, credit where credit's due. Um, and, and I thought the finish was was tremendous as well. He, he placed it perfectly. Um, and what I like about Mason now is, is he was asked afterwards if he had a message for Greg Berhalter, the manager of the U.S. national team, and he said, no, not really. I'm just going to continue and carry on doing what I'm doing. And, yeah. and look, if, if a call comes at some stage, then then I will try and be as ready as I can. But um, no, I'm, I'm fully focused on this. And, yeah. and, and again, not only does it show that he's matured on the field, also off the field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think, and, and, and Jamie Watson brought up a very good point the other day, um, I think that Jason Christ, the, the manager of the U23 national team, is probably taking a good look at Mason Toy right now. Yeah. If he isn't, then I, I I would ask why not. Yeah. Um, because I, I think he could be a very good choice for the Olympics mm-hmm. and Tokyo um, next year, um, at least being on that U23 roster anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a, a sprinkling of, of players that will be a part of it, no doubt, but but I see no reason why Mason Toy isn't at the very least in that conversation. Yeah. Um, but I do love the fact that Mason Toy is already now, as I mentioned, showing a level of maturation where he's saying, right, I'm not focusing on anything else but developing my game at this football club, under this coaching staff, and doing everything I can. And everything else will come later. Yeah. And I love that. And, yeah. and it, again, it, it shows that we, we have a really good young player on our hands here at Minnesota United. Yeah. Um, Adrian didn't want to even come close to talking about Atlanta, <laughs> uh, given that there are, it feels like six games before this happens, but I know it's fewer than that, but I think it feels it's full. like yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> um, but we can talk about Atlanta. <laughs> this, this is going to be tough. Yeah, there's it's probably going to be tougher on a lot of fans than a lot of players because a lot of players who are on the team now were not around for, you know, the the first the inaugural home opener, which mm-hmm. is still a fresh wound in the minds of many fans, I'm sure. And many people who just simply carry a grudge against Atlanta, um, which might include Adrian a little bit just based on some of his, his comments or just sort of pointing out uh, that, you know, they had a lot uh, a lot more money to spend than, than some other teams. Um it's a tough place to play. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is is very large. It's it's not it's not a comfy, cozy uh, soccer specific stadium. It's it's a colossal. Um, and while Atlanta started kind of poorly uh, and have been sort of at best inconsistent, sometimes looking great, sometimes not looking great, I still feel like looking at that squad, they have the talent and the experience to step up and win one game when you have to win one game. And this is one of those. It's time to win one game. So. I don't know. What do you think? There's a um, lot of water to travel under the bridge between now and then. There is. I I think um, it'll it'll go down as probably the most difficult game of the season. Yeah. Um, purely because of what's um, what the reward is and what's riding on this game. Um, I I guarantee you, Atlanta will sell the place out. Yeah. There'll be seventy thousand people there. Yeah. Um, and Minnesota United players are going to to have to psychologically prepare for that. Um, but as a player, you you want to play in these games. You yeah, want to play in finals. And you want to play in front of big crowds and uh, meaningful games. And so if, if players aren't up for this, and I'm not suggesting that they're not or they won't be at all, but I, you know, I, I would expect professional players to be really up for this um, and to give their all. And they absolutely will, I'm sure. But, um, you know, this this... This could very well be a defining moment in the history of Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they were to come back to the Twin Cities with the trophy, um, it would put them on a completely different pedestal to the one in which they've been viewed over the, the past two and a half years. Um, as we, we insinuated on a previous podcast, Steve, we've got just about everything we need now. It took 
a while to get the training facility to the standard it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get to Allianz Field and, and, and become comfortable in our own home confines. It took a while for um, the fans to to understand each other and work together and have the entirety of the stadium singing in, in unison. It took a while for Minnesota United to, to get the roster that they wanted to get mm-hmm. uh, and the players that they, they had so greatly desired for, for two years or so. But now it's all in front of them. Now they have everything at their disposal. They have everything they need. To be identified as one of the premier teams in Major League Soccer and, and one of the premier clubs to the point where people overseas, and, and I can speak to this first-hand experience, people overseas are raising their eyebrows and saying, wow, look at Minnesota, look mm-hmm. at Allianz Field and, and look at the, the style of football they're playing. You know, this is this is a very, very strong franchise. Mm-hmm. But to leap to the next level, to really be identified as one of the elite, not only do you have to finish in the playoffs consistently, but you also have to win silverware. That's what yep. really takes you to the next level. I, I, I understand, um, you know, uh, and it may very well, forgive my foreign naivety, it may very well be an American thing here where you can be identified as as pristine by finishing the playoffs every year. Great, but if you don't win anything, you, you in my opinion, can't be identified. I think as- that's fair. I think, I think that's still American. I mean, okay. I think there's, a, there's plenty of discussion about that in, in other sports where it's like, oh, it's great, you're in the playoffs every year. It's like, but you never won, you never right. won the championship. It's, so. it's like, um, and forgive me if I offend any anybody listening now, but it's, it's like saying uh, Tottenham Hotspur right now are, are a, a pristine team in England. They're one of the better teams, no doubt about it, but I wouldn't, classify them as pristine because they haven't won anything mm-hmm. that that's still identified by... i'm sure you're just defending brad baker and that's fine with well me, that's probably so. true yeah i'm um, okay with that uh, you, you still put uh, liverpool and manchester city uh, well above teams like tottenham because sure. they've won things and they've won things recently and consistently so yeah. um winning a trophy having physical hardware and silverware that you can touch and lift and celebrate with mm-hmm. that is what really differs you from from the rest yeah and and in my opinion that is what really identifies success is, is lifting a trophy mm-hmm. and minnesota united have a glorious chance to do that on the 27th yeah i think that um you know it's it the team is in a great spot right now um i i think that it's important to again keep your eye on that 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 championship and actually getting to that point i think it's uh it's important to remember teams like Toronto uh, who struggled for years and years and years and years before becoming good. And then were extremely, extremely good and are now kind of, they're getting back there, but you know, it's like, it's, it, there's no end to this road, right? It's it, you win, win the U S open cup. That's great. You still have to get into the, you still have to make sure you stay in the playoffs, mm. hopefully get home field advantage, you know, hopefully get deep into the playoffs. Um, I mean, there is LAFC waiting ahead of everyone uh, in the playoffs, you, you know, surprises can happen and hopefully more so in, than in years past with the way the format is now. But again, it's like, then you have to do it again the next season. It's, it's, it's about longevity. Mm. Uh, you know, resilience is the thing we talk about a lot and it's, and resilience isn't just getting back up when you get knocked down, it's staying up <laughs> for a long time. Uh, and I think that it's interesting. There's some interesting things happening with the team. I mean, with, like we're going to talk a little bit about some acquisitions, uh, I found myself thinking about, you know, what is the team going to look like as, as these acquisitions come in? If, if two years ago, even a year ago, you know, in the transfer window, we had, he would, we had brought in a player like Lud mm-hmm. and a player like, you know, Wilfred Mwambe Tarat and signed a player like Toman Chacon. Mm-hmm. We would have been like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And yet we're sitting here going like, they all have to play their way into this team right now. Like they have to, show that they are players who can play at the level that the team is playing at. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing position to be in, given <laughs> where this team was just a year ago, probably. It is, because I, I guarantee you, had we have signed Wilfred Mwembe Tarats this time last year, straight away he would go in as our starting left-back. Yeah, but absolutely. Not the case now. Yeah. Um, Thomas uh, Chacon is... Um, let's talk about him. I'm just going to transition to that. I have, I'm gonna, let's, we'll, we'll talk about him. So that was the next thing I was going to talk about. He's a guy. He's 18. <laughs> He's from Uruguay. 
He yeah. Was, he was, the sign was announced the last night at halftime, which was really fun. It's fun to see the supporters, you know, because it was obviously a thing that had been talked about. The sure. word had been out there. But to see that happen in the stadium at that moment, uh, I think I think it went over well. I think people really appreciated it. And I thought it was really fun to do it in the middle of a game, even though Minnesota had just conceded a goal. It's okay. So Yes, yes. I think it was. It certainly gave the place a lift, didn't yeah. it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so first of all, pronunciation here, Thomas Chacon. Chacon. Just so we're all aware. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, he, uh, you know, I've seen a bit of tape on him now. Um, I've sort of watched it over the last um, couple of days since we've obviously been aware that this could potentially happen. Um, a couple of different things here, Steve. Number one, you, you, you're absolutely right. He is 18. Um, I think it's important to not put the weight of the world on his shoulders yet. Right. You know, let's yeah. just let him develop. You know, yeah. we have what um, eleven MLS games remaining, plus an Open Cup final. Let's just—I I wouldn't expect much in yeah. this period from him. Yeah. Um, let's let him see what he can do. Let's let him settle. Um, I think the overall end game is is for him to to be in the number ten role um, in the future. And, and by the way, I think he's going to be with Minnesota United for, for several years um, and, and will very much be identified as as, as Darwin Quintero's successor, um, whether that is uh, next year or in two or three years. We'll have to wait and see. Um, what I would expect if we do see him in over the course of the next 10-11 games, which I'm sure we will in, in short bursts, but I would expect him to play out on the left-hand side of, of the three behind the forwards. And I say that because he's done that for the majority of his career in Uruguay and with the national team as well. Um, for two reasons. One, because he's, he's, he's quick. Um, there's I, I don't know who the coach is for um, the, the U20s in Uruguay, but they clearly see him as somebody who operates better with, with a lot of space around him. And obviously, there's so much more space in in a wider role than, than there would yeah. be if you were in a ten role. Sure, um, it, it gives them it gives players more of a chance to to run at, at fullbacks and, and and almost interrogate them mm -hmm. as opposed to a number ten where you've literally got to take a touch and find a pass almost immediately. Yeah, you got guys on both sides of you. Correct. Like, yes. Um, so. I would suspect he would play on that left-hand side, but but not when I say that I don't mean he'll be playing as a winger because Adrian Heath doesn't really use um, the wide players as um, immediate uh, wide players and players that you know get to the byline and, and cross it in. You know, we, we see it maybe the, the most I would say is Ethan Finlay would be the most natural mm -hmm. wide player, but they almost play as sort of ten and a halves, if you will, because yeah. they tuck in a little bit. The and and and, and yeah. this and this is why I I think Molino. Um, I, I would say I, I still think he, he's very, very good as a number ten, but I think he's probably better as a ten and a half. Yeah. Um, because he, yeah, he, can, he can do both. Be interesting to have three of those guys at the same time. Exactly. So, yeah. But but Molino can can run at players. He can sell a trick or two, um, and and he can maneuver inside if he so chooses to do so. Um, so this is where I think we'll see Chuck on playing. Um, over the course of the next couple of years in Major League Soccer, because as well, also I don't think he's quite ready for the for the physicality um, and the physical nature of playing a number ten yeah. as uh, an 18, 19 year old as he will be next season uh, in what is a very physical league. Mm -hmm. um, you can imagine Diego Chara rubbing his hands together, thinking, "Right, I'm <laughs> going up against this 18, 19 year old kid. Right. All I've got to do is just um, put my my cleats on the back of his ankle once and say." You're playing against me today, son. You've got absolutely no chance. Yeah. Um, I know he is a very um, abrasive individual, I hear, um, which is fine. But again, as a young kid, if something like that happens, he doesn't have much experience uh, in playing in this league, obviously. I would worry if he would just turn around straight away and get in someone's face and, and the punishment would then be um, further given and he would end up walking himself into the referee's book or something yeah. like that. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. so. He's going to have to get used to, to being kicked and, and clipped uh, during his time in MLS because he is very tricky on the ball. Mm -hmm. He likes going past people. Um, but again, this is just a couple of reasons why I would assume he would play on the left-hand side of the three behind the forward. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of notes about him. Uh, first of all, he's a young designated player, which is Correct. not a rapper, young DP. Uh, that would be a great <laughs> rapper name. Um, it's an actual thing, which some of us only learned about last night. But uh, basically, DPs who are over 23 count uh, against the cap is $350,000. Their salary above that is paid mm -hmm. uh, by the club. Uh, but for under 20 DPs, he only counts as 150000 against the cap. So um, that's a good way to invest in, in youth. This cap hit is not Very much. gigantic. I think it leaves more room for other people. Um, I think there's obviously there's an element of risk 
there's an element of risk in everything. Bringing in a guy when he's he's 18, he's going to turn 19 in like a month, I think. Okay. But basically, uh, incredibly young. You're bringing him to a different country uh, out of his element. You know, you look at, when, you know, as he's getting signed, we're like, well, we'll let's see some film. It's like, well, he's only been a professional for two years. <laughs> like, he doesn't have a ton of film. <laughs> um, it's... It's it's a little risky. It's a little harrowing to think about because you're putting a lot of 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 money into into this guy, but it's also kind of exciting because it is a really big investment in a young player in whom they've that this coaching staff has been looking at for 18 months at this point. Um, they they like what they've seen, and then you look at the young the other young guys that they've had success with, um, and you begin to think like you know, I think that, that I can trust this judgment. You know, you look at the, a young core, sort of the young core of players right now um, for Minnesota United. You've got Mason Toy at, at, at forward, um, Chuck on at, at attacking mid, um, you know, a winger, like you're saying, maybe you start with, but eventually a, a number 10. Uh, Hassani Dotson at central mid. Mm. That's a good foundation down the spine right there. And then you've got Chase, who's obviously looks really good uh, out, out, out wide as a left back. But like, that's that's your forward sort of your attacking mid, your central mid of the future, sort of like all sitting there yeah. and looking good right now. So Absolutely. It's, it's good, isn't it? You're right. The foundations are, are looking good for Minnesota United. And um, I think, uh, you know, it may very well give the likes of Quintero and, and Ozzy Alonso uh, and, and even when you talk of, of Mason Toy, it may give Angelo Rodriguez a bit of breathing room as well. So um, it, it's safe to say, isn't it? This is the best team Minnesota have had since coming into MLS. I mean, easily. Yes. Uh, let's talk, let's pivot a little bit, give it a couple of things, and I can't believe we're going to do like a whole other second podcast today. Deadline day. Uh, a lot of things happened. Mm. I looked at a lot of things. Some of them are things I, I recognize people, and I think that's a good move. I think this, what, what has been your assessment of like, what are, what do you think are the, you know, maybe the, the couple big impact things you saw happen on, on, on deadline day around the league? Well, the biggest one undoubtedly, Steve was, uh, was Carlos Pavon going to LA galaxy. Yeah. Um, huge. You know, this is a flying Argentine winger, um, who, who I thought, um, he's 26, by the way, I thought, um, several years ago, maybe two or three years ago, that he was going to sign for England. I was told by um, a very good source of mine over in England that that he very nearly did sign uh, for a team, which I probably should not say, really. Um, big team in England. Um, and, um, you know, there's been European eyeballs on him for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just hasn't moved for whatever reason. Um, what I love about this is that, obviously, he's going to be reunited with Skeletor. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and this is... Um, I mean, he was fabulous under Scalotto. He really, really was. And it instantly makes the Galaxy, again, one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Um, he's coming in as a Tam player, which, you know, well done to whoever has, has figured those numbers out for yeah, the Galaxy right. because he, he is a designated player. He is someone who is worthy of that title. Mm-hmm. And, and we can go into a separate conversation another day about what that actually means, being a DP. But, but at the moment... Um, it's a tremendous piece of business for the Galaxy, a two-year loan deal with the option of buying him for 18 million at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told they had turned down, Boca had turned down a $16 million uh, fee originally. So again, um, they, they've worked out something, you know, and, and um, instantly, as I said, he makes the Galaxy so much better. Um, yeah, for a team that was kind of flagging and sort right. of looks like a, a little adrift. It's a huge get. Yeah, so he'll he'll again uh, be, be a, a wide player and they'll have uh, Alvarez and... and um, once Alessandrini comes back, he'll be on the other side behind uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, it's not a bad front a bad line at all. So, um, <laughs> you know, the Galaxy have got depth as well. So, again, those who are sort of doubting the Galaxy and, and saying they've not been as great as they have, I would expect them to to fully bite back now over the course of the, lo- the remaining sort of 10, 11 games in MLS. So, yeah. um, Pavon, the big one for me. The, mo- the most bizarre one for me, Steve, and it perhaps showed an element of naivety, um, from Nashville was them signing Anibal Godoy for 650 grand in GAM. Right. Now, let me explain why I think this is bizarre. GAM is money that you have at your disposal, and once it's used, that's it. You don't get any more back. Whereas TAM, targeted allocation money, you're given new um, bouts of it. You're given new supplies of TAM every year by Major League Soccer. Right. So this is 650 grand of GAM. But Anibal Godoy, who I think is probably worth about a quarter of that in GAM, on the same day that Kellen Rowe 
also a central midfielder and every bit as good as Anibal Godoy, in my opinion, yeah. has gone to Real Salt Lake for 75 grand in TAM. Yeah. And I think an international <laughs> roster spot as well, but nevertheless. Yeah, still. Um, that was eyebrow raising. I mean, those roster spots reasons. was traded for 50,000 in game. Well, like, that's, that's what we got in uh, Right, right. So, um, so th- there were a couple. I mean, I, I thought um, Cincinnati obviously tried to um, get themselves... Um, at, at least give themselves some sort of, of late season hope um, by signing Derek Etienne who, from the Red Bulls on loan, mm-hmm. which I thought was a good signing. Yeah. Um, look, there's been a couple of really good signings, but um, for, for me, um, Pavon is, is is the clear and obvious eyebrow raiser yeah. um, from a, a good point of view um, for MLS. And, um, you know, uh, deadline day was was really intriguing. Um, and, and the other one, which I, I, I found out about um, a couple of hours before it happened due to a contact in Houston, uh, was Ramirez, Christian yeah. Ramirez, going to Houston. Friend of the pod, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> maybe. But, um, uh, yeah. $250,000 um, plus added incentives. I'm led to believe it could be worth around about four fifty in the end. Okay. Um, it's a move that Christian needed um, because the other big eyebrow-raising deal was Rodriguez, um, um, another Uruguayan centre-forwards, um, going to uh, LAFC for $11.5 million. Yeah. As soon as that was done. I think the writing was on the wall for Christian. Yeah. He's not He's been done well. One day, yeah, so, he, he, yeah, he would then move further down the line to a, a number three, maybe even number four um, role as a, as a centre forwards. He needed a move. He needed yeah. to. It just didn't work out at LAFC. Um, and now the Dynamo, um, he's, he's got six months left on his deal, to my knowledge, in MLS. So it's six months to say to the Dynamo, right, this is what I can offer you. Mm-hmm. He'll have Elise in Kyoto either side of him. Um, he'll have Martinez underneath him. Should he be better than Mauro Monotas? So it's not like he's going to straight away walk into this team either. No. You know? yeah. So um, it's going to be a very intriguing six months for, for Ramirez. Um, and I do wonder if it doesn't work out in Houston, I wonder, does he go abroad? Um, yeah. Whether he goes down to Mexico or, or heads off to Scandinavia or somewhere like that. I don't know. Sure. But um, it's a shame it didn't work out for him in his hometown in Los Angeles. Yeah. But I think he, he was he was in need of a move, and and this move, you know, with with the amount of players around him that I I just insinuated, I think he'll get plenty of service. Um, it's just a matter of how much will he get on the field in Houston. But but no doubt, I know I know Jamie was speaking to one of the assistant coaches, uh, Della Russo, uh, who he knows from his playing days, so they were very excited. I was speaking to the other assistant coach, Davey Arno, who I know from KC, and 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 very excited. Um, so they see a value in him for sure. Yeah. And and I think, you know, as I said, it, if he gets on the field, I think he could score a couple of goals for Houston Dynamo, no doubt. He scores goals. I mean, that's what he does. That, that's 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 what he's that's what right. he's built to do. But he hasn't done it enough for LAFC over the course yeah, of the last year. I, I, I sort of wondered, I think when he went to LAFC, I sort of felt like I thought, you know, you look at the the, the cast around him and you thought he's gonna get service, right? You look at Vela, you look at Rossi, you look at these other guys. Um, but it's not as if Diamande has set the world on fire either. It's like this sort of center forward position for LA, it's almost like Vela especially, but Vela and Rossi to a certain extent, and even their midfielders have been so good <laughs> on their own that it's almost like it didn't, it took too much pressure off of him um, in some ways. And so, you know, maybe there's a second chance in Houston for that kind of thing. I think the message for one of the main messages for Minnesota United is to say, Hey, you moved him at the right time. You know, like essentially it ended up being close to a million, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in a mil- the million range, which got, which allowed a move like getting Icopara uh, into this team. Yes. And then for him to move on, you know, less than a year later or exactly a year later, actually. Uh, a, a year literally and a day. Years day. Believe, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> for 250,000, um, you know, I think it, it shows the wisdom of moving at that moment of on Christian Ramirez, you know, yeah. I think. I, no, team. absolutely. So, yeah. Can I also point out as well, sorry to, to keep on the, the deadline day and the impact made a very intriguing signing in Boyan as well. Yeah. So Boyan played for Barcelona. He he, he came through the the La Masaya uh, Academy um, with Lionel Messi and and for a long long time was um, was identified as as being perhaps the next like the next Messi. Messi. Yeah, right. And, and yeah. it didn't quite work. He got a couple of injuries. He ended up rather bizarrely going to Stoke when they were in the Premier League. And I thought it was a strange move because Stoke. They, during their time in the Premier League, they were never one of these teams that would get the ball down and play. That were very direct. Yeah. Um, I think they, they they tried to do it one year under Mark Hughes, and Mark Hughes ended up losing his job. It didn't work, and such and such and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he was linked heavily with the Revolution. Um, I, I think um, if there's any 
any coach that can get the best out of Boyan, it, it is going to be Rami Gald. Yeah. And again, he will play in the three behind the centre forwards. I think it's a really good move moving forward. He's he's only just turned 30, I believe. Um, we all know Ignacio Piatti will be leaving the impact after this season. So it is, ident- it, it, essentially, it is a Piatti replacement. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bolutala has, has come back as well on loan from Barcelona, who's also a good player as well. Uh, but Boyana, I, I think, is a, a player that I always expected to come here to Major League Soccer at some stage. I didn't quite expect it to be now. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he instantly makes the impact better. If he can keep himself fit and healthy, I think it's a tremendous signing. It's always a challenge at, at 30. I mean, that's sort of the point at which you start looking at health is really like the question for, for guys like that. But, you know, I, again, I, it was... It's it's fun. I think deadline stuff is always fun. It was it was interesting. Um, let's talk about FC Dallas, man. See, I'm, I'm telling you, there's just so much going on hmm. here. Um, let's pivot towards FC Dallas. I'm sure that um, having fa- have, having faced the Timbers two games in a row, you know, the team can't take their foot off the gas. But looking ahead at Dallas, Colorado, Orlando, surely must be at least a little feeling of okay. Like we can manage these games. They are on the road, which is, I mean, sorry, Dallas is on the road. Uh, the next two ones are at home, but it's like Dallas is a very difficult place to play. Dallas themselves as a team, middle of the pack, I would say, um, you know, it, it good in a lot of areas uh, have Paxton Pomacall, who's a terrific talent. And I think is going to be a talent for years. Yep. Don't really have anybody who can score. No, like, don't have that that guy who can go get you a goal. So, um, I mean, what's yours, you know, when last time we played Dallas, which was a one Oh win, it was like, they're right around us in the table. There's a little separation now at this point. What, what do you feel about Dallas now? Are they, are they going up? They're right there sitting at the edge of the playoffs or are they going out of the playoffs? Well, they will see this game against Minnesota on Saturday evening as a must win. Sure. Because, they're at home, as you insinuated. It's fun to be a team that other teams see as a must-win. Isn't it just? It's almost weird, it's, isn't it's, it? It's so strange. <laughs> I was chatting to somebody um, the other day at the stadium, and, and they were saying that it's almost slightly uncomfortable, actually, because we're totally, not used to it, aren't like we? I said, it's so it's super weird. So, but so okay, so Dallas will look at this as a must-win. I think so. Uh, and you're right about them not really having a, a major goal scorer. I believe it's Dominic Badgie who's their top goal scorer with six at the moment. Yeah. And he's not exactly been scoring in, in um, uh, consistent flows either. So, um, Pomical is is no doubt he he is the main man for them. He will pull the strings. Uh, I love uh, Acosta in midfield for them as well. The Honduran, he's fabulous. I think he's a really mm-hmm. good high press, high energy central midfielder. Um, Matt Hedges obviously was an MLS All Star alongside Roma Metinier. Um, has been about as consistent as any centre-half in MLS. Uh, I like a lot of their defenders. Rudy Ziegler is solid. Yep, um, yep. So. Ziegler's good. Uh, not very good at taking penalties, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that um, up to Manone, not uh, Ziegler. Yes, so, yes, yeah. absolutely Anyways. correct. Um, but um, Can I say one thing? Go on. I, I just totally out of the flow, but going back to the, the game against Portland, a thing that happened that I've got more information on afterwards, um, when Darwin took his penalty mm-hmm. and Ozzy came running all the way up the field to say something to Darwin, um, apparently Ozzy was saying after the game that what was happening is that uh, Christian Paredes, Paredes? Paredes, yeah. Paredes uh, was, was letting Steve Clark know because he played with Darwin in Mexico that Darwin always goes to the right. Mm-hmm. And then Ozzy came up and was like, Christian just told him that you go to the right. So go, <laughs> go to the left. And that's what, I, that's wonderful, which is a tremendous. I love stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. so funny. Just, and, and, uh, that's great. Anyways. So Ziegler anyways, didn't get his penalty against Manone, but back to the other, the good qualities of FC Dallas. Um, I like Reggie Cannon. Yeah. Right back. Absolutely. Obviously played for the U S in the gold cup, full of energy. Uh, and enthusiasm. Um, Chase Gasper will, will be busy because operating ahead of him is usually Michael Barrios as well, um, who, again, is a very fluid and quick Colombian winger. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, Dallas have, have an array of, of good individuals. Um, I'm just not convinced they have quite enough to really ever be considered MLS Cup contenders. Um I could certainly see them squeezing in the playoffs. I, I could see them operating in that sixth or seventh um, spot at the end of the season. Sure. Um, they're at the moment undergoing a, you know, not not their greatest spell. I would I would argue, um, and they've fallen off of off of the the wagon a little bit, haven't they? As you were um, mentioning earlier on. So yeah. Um, look, I mean, it'll be really hot down there. I think um, I, I looked at the temperature predictions, and I think at one stage 
um, one of the apps was suggesting it was going to be over 100 degrees. Yeah, it's um, a brutal place to go play. Yeah, <laughs> so I wouldn't expect this game to be... You know, I, 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 what I would expect from Minnesota is I would expect a very quick start, and I would expect them okay. to go and press and get the lead quickly. Yeah. Because then you can reserve yourself for the rest yeah. of the game, and you, you have something to protect, and you don't necessarily have to force the issue. Yeah. So if they get an early lead, maybe even get themselves a second goal, I, I think that's exactly what Minnesota United will want to do. Yeah. Yeah, looking at uh, 538's uh, predictions for soccer, they use, they're very analytically minded. I don't necessarily always think they're that, that always works, but um, Minnesota is sitting currently at 80% chance of making the playoffs, which I think is pretty fair. Um, Real Salt Lake is at 74%. They're ahead of uh, FC Dallas right now in the table. FC Dallas is at 52%. The bad news for FC Dallas is that Portland is an 87% chance <laughs> of making the playoffs. So looking at the table, I mean, that's really the story there is that the Timbers are just below Dallas and Real Salt Lake is just above them. And so the Timbers are almost certainly going to continue a run into the playoffs. Uh, can FC Dallas, I don't, you know, the below them are Houston uh, sporting Kansas city, who I know you still have faith in, um, Vancouver Whitecaps and Colorado Rapids oh, SKC aside. I don't necessarily see any of those other teams as a huge threat, mm. uh, to FC Dallas right now. But so are they going to be able to sneak in there in the seventh spot? Or are they going to fall just short of that playoff line? Mm. Uh, I think that is, that's sort of the question for them. Um, man, this was, look at this. We got so much stuff to talk about. That was crazy. <sighs> It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it is. It is <laughs> at least it's soccer, right? Like it's, it's actually pretty interesting to talk about. So, um, I was going to, th the last thing I was going to say is I was going to throw back. I was just remembering as we were talking about getting two goals and trying to get out a lead early and things like that. But prior to these two games against Portland, I asked you which one was more important, uh, to win. And we were like, well, I guess we'll just have to win both. So I, oh, there we go. There we go. We did it. We're geniuses. So once again, it's all down to you. Exactly. <laughs> it's the shirt. Have we talked about the shirt? I have this shirt, right? Mm. I, I got it in the mail. We talked about this already. Yes, sure. I would put it on for FC Cincinnati. That was I've worn it for every home game since then. It's the shirt. So, so what you're saying is, so for those of you listening, if ever you see Steve wandering around the stadium in his it's, white, it, it's like short white sleeve with, shirt. It's got white with like a little blue pattern on it. Okay, uh, yeah. Do us all a favor. Just go up and give it a little bit of a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because it's clearly a good look charm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the 69th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, August 10th, as they travel to face FC Dallas in a 100-degree game that kicks off at 7 p.m. Central Time. That game is on Fox Sports North Plus. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. Follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com. And you can I, you can follow me. It's adventurous. I <laughs> I came back. I'm 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 a little out of it. I got a foot out of Twitter still. I'm I, I, like I don't have it on my phone, and you know I, I'm trying to keep a little clear. But how um, long did you last? I was for two weeks. I was straight up deactivated. Okay. So um, and I think it, it helped me reorient myself to like how to how to be in that space in a healthy way and not get too sucked into it. So okay. Um, so I think it's I, I think it's it's all about balance, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Apologies as always to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. And people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>